Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. I hope you've um, enjoyed the last series of preaching uh, that Owen took us through, going through the book of Jonah. Um, I don't know about you, I found it really, really helpful and found myself some mornings just praying through some of the stuff that we'd heard. I thought last week in particular, just that encouragement to take our anger straight to God like Jonah did. And I had a couple of conversations uh, just since that preach where people have just said how helpful uh, that was. Just that picture of the reason why we can take our anger to God without fearing that he will be angry with us is because he has already poured out his anger on his son, on our behalf. And uh, that leads us nicely to this next series. And uh, it it hardly seems to me like like Christmas is not long past, but we're already now in the run-up to Easter. And uh, so we're starting a four-week series just uh, on on that run-up to Easter. And we're going to look at four aspects of, if you like, the journey that Jesus took to the cross and then the resurrection. And uh, we're starting today by looking at Gethsemane. Then next week, Emma will be speaking and she'll uh, look at the trial of Jesus. Then uh, I'll pick up the the crucifixion the Sunday before Easter. And then on Resurrection Sunday, which is what Easter is, we don't sing When I Survey the Wondrous Cross on Resurrection Sunday. We sing that on Good Friday. On Resurrection Sunday, we sing Christ the Lord is risen today or something like that, which none of you know, but Owen and I do. So we we may do that and it may just be us singing that on on Easter morning. But hey, you know, we're the pastors. We can do that. Um, So uh, John then will be speaking on Easter Sunday when we look at the resurrection. Um, For those of us who have been Christians for a long time or even not necessarily Christians, but have been in church life or even just lived in the UK for a long time uh, before it became as secular as it now is, we will have heard the words around the Easter story many, many times before. Um, There's a joke that um, a friend of mine, Phil Varley, I remember him uh, telling this joke one Sunday when we were back at our previous church. And it's about a little boy who's Uh, in Sunday school and he's been brought up in a Christian home and uh, he's in Sunday school and uh, they're all sitting around and the Sunday school teacher says, "Okay, well, this morning, children, we're going to start off with uh, a little guessing game. So I'm thinking of something and it's furry and it's got a long bushy tail and uh, it likes to climb trees and uh, it eats nuts. Um, Anybody know what I'm thinking of? And uh, she says, Jack, how about you? And Jack looks a little bit confused and he says, well, I guess the answer must be Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. Uh, And uh, if you've been in church life a long time, it can just feel a bit, okay, Jesus is always the answer, isn't it? Yeah, that's that. And uh, and, boy, I mean, I tell you, it's a challenge for Sunday school teachers. How do we keep this fresh for them? Yeah, anyway. So if you've been around church life for a long time, you may feel a little bit like that. Sometimes we do. 
But there are reasons why we should return to the cross and why we should constantly return to Christ. And we have called this series for the next four weeks, Him We Proclaim. And those are words that Paul uses in Colossians. And they come at the end of those majestic verses where he says, Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn from among all creation. For by him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the church, the body. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, that in all things he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And then a few more verses later, he unsurprisingly says, him we proclaim. Him we proclaim. And so we are returning to him. We are returning to the story of Jesus. And um, I'm really excited that, in fact, a few Weeks down the line after this series, we've then got a a few weeks when we'll lead up to our weekend away. And then after that, we're going to spend some months, possibly right into next year, going through the Gospel of Mark, looking at Jesus' life, leading up even possibly to next Easter. We'll see. Him we proclaim. Why is it important for us to return to Jesus so often? Why is it important for us to do that? Because this is how we know what the father is like. You know, when Philip says to Jesus, show us the father and that will be enough. Just just show us the father. And Jesus says, haven't you been with me long enough to know if you've seen me, you've seen the father. If we want to understand more about the father of God, the fatherhood of God, we have to look at Jesus. You know, sometimes I feel, not in our church, but I sometimes feel that that it, it, in sometimes in churches or movements it can it, it can it can things can veer. There are there are conferences that look at the father heart of God and, and, and I I endorse that, it's fantastic. To find out about the fatherhood of God, we look at Jesus. That's who we look at. Him we proclaim. If we don't We miss out because that's the way that God has chosen to reveal himself to us is through Jesus. If we want to know what God is like, it's no good going to other places or trying meditation or other things. If you want to know what the father's heart is for you, you have to go back to Jesus because he is the image of the invisible God. So it is important for us to return to the old, old story. You know that hymn? Probably don't tell me the old, old story. Yay! Well done, Alicia. Should we, should we do a double one? <laughs> tell me the old, old story. It is important to return to it because that's how we know what the Father is like. 
Paul says in uh, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians that we get the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's how we know about the glory of God through Jesus. Why else is it important for us to return to him regularly? Well, Hebrews talks about this a lot, writer to the Hebrews. He says, the writer of the Hebrews says, so we won't grow weary and lose heart. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. That's why we come back, because we come to a high priest who is able to sympathise with our weaknesses. We come back to him regularly because that's how we see who the father is and because he is the one who sympathises with our weaknesses. We do not come to a high priest who is unable to sympathise. We come to one who is able to sympathise so that we won't grow weary and lose heart. He sympathises with our weaknesses. We also come back to him if we want inexpressible and glorious joy. Peter says in his letter, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not still see him, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? Because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Though we have not seen him, we love him. It is right to return. If you want inexpressible and glorious joy in your faith, you must return to him regularly. You must meditate on him. You must read the Gospels. You must worship him because he is the one that gives inexpressible and glorious joy. Do you know what? We are supposed to be joyful in our faith. We're supposed to be joyful in sufferings. How can we be joyful in sufferings? Because through him we are receiving the goal of our faith. The salvation of our souls. Though we do not see him, we love him. Though we do not still see him, we believe in him. And when we do that, we are filled with inexpressible joy. There are so many reasons to keep coming back to the one we proclaim. So many reasons. And so we're going to do that over these next four weeks. And briefly, I'm just going to take us through a few verses where we look uh, in Matthew's Gospel now at the story of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. Now, if you were in St Paul's Cathedral this morning, and uh, I have been in St Paul's Cathedral for the odd morning service, uh, when the minister who's taking the service reads the Gospel, because in Anglican churches quite often there will be an Old Testament reading and a New Testament, in St Paul's Cathedral the minister comes down from the front He walks down the aisle, he stands in the middle, and everybody stands and looks at him as he reads out the gospel. And do you know what? When we come to the story of the crucifixion, we are standing on a holy ground. Do you know, I felt that as I prepped this week. Prep is always a wrestle and a struggle. And... When you are trying to talk about something like the crucifixion, 
I tell you, it's even more of a wrestle and a struggle. We are standing on holy ground. So as I read these words of the gospel, I'd like us to stand because we're standing on holy ground. So will you stand, please? Matthew chapter 26, verse 36. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Could you men not keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed, My father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. When he came back, he again found them sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time saying the same thing. Then he returned to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and resting? Look, the hour has come and the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we hear this account again, we would not take your words or the words about this story lightly, but would come with reverence, with an awareness that we are standing on holy ground. And we pray, Father, that as we just spend some moments looking at these words, that you would speak to us about the glory and the grace of your Son. And that it will change us. It will help us, though we have not seen him, to love him. It will help us, though we still do not see him, to believe in him and to be filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. We ask it in your name. Amen. Please be seated. So just a few thoughts before we come uh, to the table and worship a bit more as we just go through perhaps this, this short passage. So the first thing I guess that I just, as I read that passage through myself, was drawn to was the fact that Jesus, even with what he is facing, remains ultimately, utterly dependent on his father. It says that he takes his disciples with him, but 
he then goes a bit further on and falls to his face, which is an act of complete and utter submission before his father. But he has to do it on his own. And do you know what? That's the truth for us, too. Ultimately, yes, we can ask others to be with us at difficult times and there's nothing more precious than having brothers or sisters standing with you when you are going through trial. It is part of God's wonderful grace to us that we have friends and family and the church around us who can stand with us at difficult times. We know that that happened for Barry uh, as he was dying. He had people from the church who were standing with him at his most challenging time. And for all of us who've been through difficulties, trials, bereavements, having that strength that is added by Christian brothers and sisters who are next to you is invaluable. But also what we see here is that Jesus leaves them for a bit and goes forward on his own. There is nothing to replace the falling on our own faces before the Father when we are in trial or when we are suffering. Jesus models coming to the Father in absolute submission. And do you know what the amazing thing is? He's coming to the Father who is about to crush him. And he knew that because in Isaiah it says it was the Lord's will to crush him. And Jesus knew that scripture. He was coming to the father who he knew was about to crush him for our sake. That says something, doesn't it, about the depth of the intimacy of the relationship and the trust between the son and the father. That even though I know you are about to pour out the cup of your wrath on me and crush me, you are still the only place that I can go. You are still the one who I will come to because I can't go anywhere else. I still trust you, even though I know you're about to crush me. Do you know what? That speaks something to us. Even when we are in those situations where we just cannot understand, God, why did it happen this way? Why is this happening to me? I don't understand. Why did that happen to that person I love? I don't get it. I look at the world, God, and I don't get it. I don't understand why. I don't understand why it looks like this is going to happen. And, and, and unless you intervene in some way, it's gonna, this is going to happen, this thing before me. But, but I love and trust you enough to know that you are the one that I can come to. You are the only one, even though you might be the one who is ordaining this difficult, difficult situation and time for me. You are the one I can come to. You are the one. He came to the very one who was about to crush him. Wow. And do you know what he says? When he prays for the, dis for the disciples in the Gospel of John, and then he prays afterwards for us, you know, it's, quite, it's called the High Priestly Prayer. If you read the little subtitle in John, right, just towards the end of John's Gospel, 
and uh, he prays for his disciples and then he says and then he starts to pray for those who will believe in him as a result of their message and their testimony that's us and he says and i pray father that they may be one as we are one and and that we will be us in them and them in us Jesus is praying, oh, I want them to know the intimacy of the relationship that you and I have, Father. And he's prayed that for us, which means that that is available for us, which means that you have access to that relationship with him, even when it feels like what you're going through is crushing you. That he has prayed that you would have that intimate relationship with the father that he has with him and that enabled him to come and say, my father, when the father was about to crush him. How amazing. The level of intimate trust. And then Jesus says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. And it just shows us his humanity. There's a hymn, and I might read you at the end of the preach, just of the last verse, but there's one bit of this hymn which is about our response to the cross. It's called My Song is Love Unknown. And there's one line in this, in this hymn that I think I, I don't quite agree with. It says, but cheerful he to suffering goes. No, Jesus didn't go cheerful. <laughs> he wasn't cheerful when he went. He showed his deep humanity by saying, Father, if it's possible, can you just take this? I don't. I, I, he balked at it. Can you take this cup from me? He showed his humanity. And do you know what? That is encouraging for us because do you know who we have in heaven? We have a man who is God. We have one who suffered at all points as we are, yet without sin. We have one who understands because he went through much, much more than we ever will. And he is one who intercedes on our behalf for the Father. And he understands what it is to face life and to face challenge and to want it taken away. Father, if it is possible, take it away. And then you get this amazing bit where he comes back. And finds the disciples sleeping. And there's this mild rebuke. Couldn't you stay awake for one hour? Why do we know it's a mild rebuke? Well, I think we know it's a mild rebuke because of what follows. Where he says to them, watch and pray so you don't fall into temptation. Do you know what? If I was coming back and I found the very people who I was about to die for so indifferent to my suffering, that they've fallen asleep. Do you know what? I would not be thinking about them at that moment. <laughs> I would be thinking about me. Couldn't you just, just for one hour, couldn't you stay with me? Couldn't you just watch with me? For, do you not know what I'm about to do for you? Do you not know what I'm about to go through? You cannot have the first idea of what I'm about to go through for you. And you couldn't even stay awake with me for one hour. So that's me. That would be me. What does Jesus say? Yeah, there's a mark. Couldn't you stay awake for one hour? Watch and pray so that you won't fall into temptation. And then there's these beautiful words. Oh, the, the spirit's willing, but, but the flesh is weak. It's like he says, I know. I know you don't want to. 
I know your flesh is weak. He empathizes with them. He sympathizes with them. He is passionate about them not falling into temptation. He comes back, finds them asleep, and he is not angry with them on his part. He is longing for them not to fall into temptation. He is thinking of them. And then you see that he then goes back and he is stirred to pray again. And actually the words are different this second time. I think we might have the two up there for us to see the comparison. And I'd never really noticed this before. But the first time Jesus says, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. He is thinking about what he is about to go through. He is thinking of himself and the suffering that is about to come. If it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. When he goes back the second time, he has just found his disciples asleep, unable to do anything for themselves. They cannot get themselves out of this mess. They cannot drink the cup of his wrath. And so he says, my father, if it is not possible for this cup to be taken away, who's he talking about when he says for this cup to be taken away? He's talking about his disciples, he's talking about them. My father, it's not possible for this cup to be taken away from them. If it's not possible, unless I drink it, then may your will be done. I'll do it. It's like he's seen the weakness of the disciples. He's seen the weakness of humanity. He's recognised once again, Father, they can't do anything to get themselves out of their mess. They can't even stay awake for an hour while I'm sweating like drops of blood. If they can't do that, oh, they're they're unable. Oh, Father, if it's not possible, if there's no other way for the cup of your wrath to be removed from them, to be removed from them, if there's no other way, then I'll drink it. And it's almost like seeing the disciples' inability to do anything to save themselves, to do anything themselves, stirs him to go back and pray. Oh, God, I I can't drop the ball with this because they're helpless. And if I don't drink the cup, and let's not be under any illusions here, there is a cup of God's wrath to be drunk. The Old Testament talks about it. A number of times God talks about the cup of my wrath. And if Jesus doesn't drink it on our behalf, then one day we will drink the cup of God's wrath. And Jesus recognises it. and He says, if I don't drink this, they're, they're unable. They can't even stay awake. If there's no other way, I'll drink it. Lord, your will be done. I'll drink it. And then he comes back a third time and finds them sleeping. And this time he doesn't even bother to wake them. But what does it do? It stirs him again. He goes back and prays again. He goes back and prays again. I've just finished reading um, a, a wonderful book. And it's got the snappy title of The Heart of Christ in Heaven Towards Sinners on Earth. And it was written by one of what's called the Puritans. And these were guys that lived in the 16th, roughly around the 1600s. And this is a Puritan called Thomas Goodwin. And he really unpacks that verse that we've already looked at from Hebrews that says, 
we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. And he unpacks that verse and he writes a whole book on it. And he identifies that sometimes we can think about Jesus being in heaven now and enthroned and all the angels worshipping him. And it's almost as if, does he still remember us down here? I don't know. Does he, does he still remember what it feels like to walk on the earth? It's been 2,000 years since he did it. I mean, does he still understand what it's like to be human? I mean, it was a long time ago. I mean, and Thomas Goodwin writes this whole book about how God, Jesus still understands what it's like. And he writes this. When you are afflicted, and I've tried to translate it into slightly more modern language, because if I read it as it was, we'd, yeah, anyway. <laughs> when you are afflicted because of your sins, in other words, when you're miserable because you become aware again, oh, let you down again, God, I'm so rubbish. When you are afflicted because of your sins, be aware that your sins move Jesus to pity more than anger. Jesus Christ takes your side and far from being provoked to anger against you, his pity for you increases. His anger is not turned upon you, but upon your sin to destroy it and free you of it. When you are struggling with sin, his pity towards you does not decrease, it increases. When a part of our body is in pain, because it's infected. We don't hate that part of the body, but we hate the infection that is afflicting it. We take special care of that part of our body. And exactly what Jesus does for us. He is not angry at our sin anymore. He covers it. It's that lovely verse that says um, that our sins are covered. Jesus doesn't just feel sympathy, it stirs him to pray for us, just like it did in that story when he comes and finds them asleep and realises they are powerless to do anything for themselves. It doesn't just stir feelings of sympathy, it stirs him to get back on his knees and pray, God, don't let me drop the ball with this. This is their only hope. And then you see right at the end of this passage, a different Jesus, a different Jesus. It says that he gets up and he says, rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. It's not like, rise, let us go the other way. It's okay, rise, let us go. We're going, we're going to go in towards this. The, the Old Testament talks about him in one of the prophetic words about him, setting his face like flint. He gets up, he has been praying and he gets up and he says, right, let's go. I'm going to do this. Let's face. Let's face my betrayer. Let's go. Let's go. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. This story proves that if nothing else does, when he could have come back to those disciples and absolutely ripped them to shreds. And yet instead, he is praying for them. He, it stirs him to go back to his knees. Oh God, they are helpless. If I don't do this, there is no other way that your wrath will be satisfied. I must do this for them. I must do this for them. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording. 
If you would like more information about us, our vision, the team or upcoming events, please visit our website which is beacon-church.org. You can email us at office at beacon-church.com or find us socially on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You are welcome to share this recording as you wish, but please do not make any edits without express consent. Thank you.